everybody. The Con Artists here. We're uh, getting together to talk about the shows that we watched in fall 2020 and discuss them, talk about what you should watch, what you should avoid. So uh, we got myself, Sue, Scott. Hey. And Dan. Hello. Brendan got eaten by bears. Goodbye, Brendan. Again? Man. Again. It's been a rough, rough time for him. I think he's hanging out too much in, uh, what's that show? Golden Camwe. There's just too many bears, oh, too many yeah, orcas, bears, too many things jumping out to eat you. So tragically, we don't have Brendan, but three of us are here. Um, so guys, spoilers for all the shows we're going to talk about. Sometimes I get lazy with this. If you care, if you hear a show come up and you're like, oh no, I mustn't hear to spoilers, run away because we're just going to go for it. And, uh, all right, so let's, let's dive right in uh scott you want to start us off who wants to start us off absolutely so uh we we'll start off with a continuation from last season kind of like a like a half continuation essentially covid cut this one short and now the other half came out and it's gallon dino oh snap scott i gotta interrupt you real quick so i have a story about gallon dino so we were skimming for fall 2020 and looking at the shows on a live chart my husband and i want to watch together and he goes what is this gal and dino and i'm like i told him the plot as you had told it to to us on um the last core that gal and dino was featured and he looks at me with this genuine look of being upset and he's like why did you not tell me this existed <laughs> and i was like babe we're not watching this show and he's like we are 100 percent watching yes. this show and i was like oh no and we did watch it, so I'll jump in here to there, but wow, what an acid trip. <laughs> what have you, you unleashed <laughs> this on us, Scott? You're welcome. Th- thank you. I mean, honestly, I don't know, like, there's probably too not much new to say about Gal and Dino. Like, it is basically just continuation of last time, so honestly, it didn't change much. If you liked it before, you still will. It's charming and cute and has a bunch of different media used whether it be live action or claymation segments uh so like overall i liked it quite a bit if there was any con i could say uh there had been sort of this intriguing secondary plot of the live action segments uh that end each show and they're almost completely absent from the last several episodes here which is disappointing what happened to the death note right there's a nice nod to it at the very end of the last episode but i kind of wish there'd been more substance in the middle so a little sad about that, but overall, it was just a nice show to, to sit down and watch and just kind of feel good. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it. My husband said it would it would fit perfectly on Adult Swim because it makes huh. no effing sense and it's crazy <laughs> and an ass trip and just yeah. But you know what? There was a lot of fun heart in it. The guy in the dino costume just props to you. Like give that guy an Oscar. <laughs> That guy did a great job. What Following the steps job. of so many great uh, toey uh, actors. Yeah, it was just, it was it was very charming. It was very fun. I liked all the characters, and it was a good time. Hmm. Dal and Dino. Dal and Dino. Just, like, watch it if you want something nice. Also, everybody, every time they get excited, needs air horns in the background oh to symbolize <laughs> yes. their excitement. Because, wow, does that do wonders. Yeah, right. Like Dino has two noises, basically air horns and lightsaber sounds. And that's like his <laughs> yes. mood. It's it's great. It is great. I agree. I agree. Uh, but from there, I'll move on to like you know a first full, sort of full show, uh, Tony Kaku Kawaii, which uh, 
basically the very short premise is married at first sight. Like these two characters get married, then they learn how to live together. Hmm. Scott, usually this this spells disaster. I'll admit it usually does. It's it's usually not a not a good not a good thing. But this time I think it actually came out really well. Uh, on the plus side, like it is a charming show. I like the two main characters, which is important. Uh, the secondary ones as well. It has a really good opening theme, like very uh, memorable. Um, and it's just kind of like a relationship show that gets into the details of being in a living together relationship, which is a relative rarity in anime when it's usually like, you know, the dating that leads up to like, okay, yes, we'll we'll kiss or we'll go on dates or, or whatever. Uh, so it covers stuff like shopping for home goods or differences in how clothes are made between men and women and have to be cared for and shopping for diamond rings, plus a lot of personal things like how you would accommodate a partner's differences and live together harmoniously despite them. So it's a lot of like, it's almost like like a primer for, for how to be married, like what relationships are like, hmm. uh, which was an interesting take. Uh, also pro, there's this rich girl and her maids that try to ineffectually interfere and they're fun to watch and they don't really overstay their welcomes. They add, you know, it is, it is a kind of a comedy and they add a nice touch of that. Uh, the really only the con I've got, like the first three or so episodes are pretty slow. Like it feels like the show hadn't really found its stride at this point, but it really started to pick up in episode four. And by the end, I was looking forward to it quite a bit every week. So I would recommend Tony Kaku Kawaii. Really quick, Scott, since you already, uh, since I said there were going to be spoilers, does that thing you mentioned to me about her background, the the wife's background, ever uh, come back? So this is this is I would I guess what called a pretty big spoiler. Like, she's basically Princess Kaguya. Uh, she's been alive since the time of the Princess Kaguya stories, and she's back. Uh, so she remembers all the time in between now and then, and is immortal. But it doesn't really, like, she keeps dropping hints to it and the main character keeps not getting them. But, like, you as the viewer know, there's a hell lot of heavy moon theming. And finally, like, the, the opening theme song was really good, so I finally went and found a version that had, like, lyrics. The lyrics are, like, pretty explicit that this is Princess Kaguya, so it's probably not that much of a spoiler if you were Japanese or knew how to read it. Uh, but, yeah, that's kind of the deal. Like, it, huh. it honestly has no bearing on, on anything except... I don't know, a few moments of, like, introspection on the part of, of, you know, the girl. Okay. So they never really tackled the idea that, like, she's going to live beyond him? They don't. I mean, they sort of touch on the idea that she's been alive for a thousand years and, like, has seen the rise and fall of different, like, areas in Japan and, like, structures she's been to. Like, she's bored by going to see historical structures because, <laughs> like, she saw them when they were built. Uh, that kind of thing. So it's mostly played for extremely light comedy rather than anything truly serious. Oh, okay. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. It was, it's it's a weird angle to have. It added a little bit of spice, but it didn't really go anywhere. Huh. Alrighty. That's cool. Yeah. Now, taking things probably about as far away from a relationship uh, dramedy as you can, um, the next show I wanted to bring up is Obsolete. Uh, now, this is another show that kind of got Wait, if cut. it's obsolete, how did you watch it, Dan? VHS, man. No, beta. Beta tapes. But, uh, no, so obsolete is another thing that got cut in half. Like, I think the first half of it came out in um, the end of 2019, but then just recently the remaining half of it dropped on YouTube. It's actually all available on YouTube, so anyone can watch it anywhere. Uh, definitely recommend the Japanese version. The English dub is a little bit rough. <laughs> 
The English dub feels like it was made by speech to English robots. Like I don't think that's actually true, but it sounds like it. It's very weird. Uh, that actually kind of brings me to the one kind of knock I have against the show. It's that a lot of it, it's not so much that the animation feels stiff because it's it's CG. It's, you know, painted CG, but I actually like the style. It's kind of muted colors and um, it looks like it looks like colored sketches in a lot of ways outside of the mechanical stuff, which is much more, you know, detailed as you would expect from a show that's focused on mechs. But um, it's that the cinematography and the framing, especially of the early episodes, is very dry and very, like, basic and straightforward. So it doesn't really hold the eye considering how interesting the stuff that's actually happening is. That being said, it's a pretty interesting story about a bunch of aliens that show up and basically say, hey, you guys on Earth, we will trade you one mech for every, like, metric ton of limestone you can give us. Doesn't matter from who, doesn't matter from where, just give it to us and we will give you your mechs. And so, all of Earth, in one way or another, starts getting these mechs. And it's about how they how they start changing the world, specifically on the battlefield. And it deals with, you know, the imbalances between mechs and infantry and like air power and tanks and all of these other things and it does a lot of really cool things with them because they're like these small things that you know you can kind of ride them right on the back of them like you were you know a toddler in a backpack and uh you know how different countries utilize them up armor them or use them as like expendable uh troops and whatnot it just goes a lot of interesting directions yeah the idea was almost like if if a disruptive technology like this came along, like how would it affect the current balance of power in the world? And essentially they're like, the rich countries would keep trying to use all their cool weapons they have now, and all the poor countries would be like, ah, oh, look at this, we could equalize things with these weapons, is, is kind of like the, the theming. Right, because like they said, anyone with a bulldozer can get themselves together enough of limestone to trade for one of these things. And one of the first times you see them outside of a military context is, you know, a bunch of farmers using them to plow fields really quickly because, you know, they don't get tired. They don't uh, they don't slow down. You just need a guy to ride it and show it, you know, show it where to go. Um, a lot of interesting questions are built are brought up as far as like, what's the motivation for the aliens to do this? Are they purely in it for mercantile reasons? Do the are these things actually maybe living beings? We're not a hundred percent certain. And there's a lot of like cool mysteries and worrying things that everyone you know is aware of, but nobody can really stop to deal with because you know the the scheme of things is so much bigger. Um, partly because there's this ongoing plot about this. Um, not exactly mercenary company, but uh, non-aligned military group that is stirring up trouble all around the world for reasons that nobody can quite understand. But when you actually meet them, they almost seem altruistic. So, the, unfortunately, by the second season, that hasn't been resolved and we don't really know a lot more about it. But it's an interesting enough through line uh, and the individual like uh, sections where they talk about you know different... Uh, theaters of war and different places where these things are being used and how they're being used are interesting enough to uh, enjoy in the meantime. Mm, yeah. yeah. That's really Agreed. deep, fascinating stuff. Wow. It is. Yeah. Particularly for episodes that are only like 10 minutes, 12 minutes long. Yeah, wow. Like half-length episodes. I was mm -hmm. actually about to ask, Dan, like, is the idea that the aliens, you know, are trading the mechs for limestone just kind of a, a macguffin to get these overpowered items here in humanity and then have a deep discussion about a power imbalance or do the aliens actually factor in to the story later 
but you kind of answered that, so. Yeah, they don't really factor into it yet. Um, it's possible that they might in the future. Yeah, I feel like this show has been been dropping like subtle hints. Like there's this one character who's like, you know, it's really weird that every one of these robots we get is looks like it's been used before mm-hmm. we get it. Like there's scratches and dings and no two look alike. Are they just discarding their trash on Earth? Like what's going on? Are they selling their military surplus or yeah, what's the de- what's the deal? I kind of like the idea that we are essentially a dumping ground to offload a bunch of stuff for a resource that they find more valuable. But uh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting directions it can go, and I hope that they continue it because I would be fascinated to see where we finally end up. And not to spoil anything, because I know Scott, you haven't seen all of the most recent episodes, but uh, the last episode, the actual last episode of the most recent season, has a very long running joke that I think we'll all appreciate. Hmm. It takes some time to get to it, but it works. I will look forward to it. Very good. Well, wow, that sounds that sounds like a keeper then. Yeah, it's pretty good. If you if you enjoy the military the military sci-fi angle, it's not like, you know, raw raw patriotism and all that because people have actually pretty um nuanced views of, you know, how much good versus harm these things are doing, but uh The only thing is that, like I said, it can be a little dry, and sometimes the animation, especially with the characters, looks really stiff because of the nature of the 3D styling. So, you know, if you can get beyond that, it's really enjoyable. If you can't, maybe it's not for you. It's definitely, like, it it feels like it was made with a particular audience in mind. Yeah, this is definitely a show for people that enjoy the technical or mechanical aspects of, like, potential mech combat more than, like, characters and plot. Very true. Like, you're here more for the combat scenes than you are for, like, any kind of character development. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. What's next? Next is the uh, the very difficult to pronounce Magatsu War- Warite Zrest, which is my best attempt. Even the show's title card is just MWZ, because I don't think they want to say it either. <laughs> uh... So I did like this. Uh, so it's a show based on a video game is from, from what it says at the beginning. I think it does the job well. Uh, this does feel like you're watching a JRPG story play out, but without any of the gamey stuff like hit points or whatever getting in the way. Like you're just sort of watching the plot parts of a JRPG video game. Uh, it does kind of make me want to play the game. So mission accomplished. Hmm. Uh, the plot is fairly complex. There's a lot of moving pieces and organizations that are all trying to accomplish their objectives. Things rarely go according to plan for anyone. So I think the you know decent writing to there. The setting is also pretty interesting, as you'd hope for from like a JRPG-type world what they put together. Uh, like it isn't Earth. It's like they've got a combination of like magic and guns and swords uh, type of stuff. Like everything all at once, like you'd sort of expect out of any JRPG. Of course. The cons, though, I mean, I'll admit it, it's definitely the worst animation of any show I saw this season. This is actually why I dropped it in Ep 1. It was, there were scenes that were just so ugly. I was like, nope, can't even. Is it traditional yeah, animation like, or like 3D or is it just it's like... pretty much traditional. I'm sure there's some, some some 3D in there somewhere, but it's it's almost all 2D. And it's honestly like if it's got to look pretty, look elsewhere. Uh. Uh, and also probably due to compressing its source material, some of the plot beats do sort of feel like they came out of nowhere. Like sometimes you're like, yeah, look at all these complex things going on and organizations moving. And sometimes you're like, who? <laughs> like, where do they come from? Uh, but overall, I enjoyed it. 
uh, like I said, good pitch to play the game. It seems like they've got an interesting universe set up there. Now, does it actually end, Scott, or is it? It does it end where it's like play our game to find out, you know, more it's, about the story. De- definitely, it would not end where the game did. Like, in fact, the, the most of the show, like right at the beginning, they show you this thing happening, and then the next eleven episodes build up to that moment. And then there's like a little bit of afterwards, which sort of sets up the potential for either a season two or a pitch to go play the game, I guess, whichever one of those ends up being true. So I would say it feels like you've got a good chunk of plot, but it's definitely not the end. Probably not even close. Hmm. Okay. So are you giving it a yes or a no? I guess like tentative recommendation. Like it's not amazing. It doesn't look amazing, but... If you watch the first episode and you like it, the rest is going to be like that. Like, there aren't major tonal shifts or changes. Uh, So, see if you like it. Like, I can't fully recommend it to everyone. But on balance, sure. All right. So, following along on uh, our more ridiculously named things this season, uh, Sue, you followed... What was it you followed? I followed a salt lily bouquet, Dan. Oh, wow. Yes. Speaking of, speaking of, speaking of dropped at episode one, that was us over here. Oh, oh man. my lord. Oh, a salt Sorry, lily I cannot bouquet. Sorry, I cannot hear that title without laughing. It is you deep. should laugh. You should laugh. I got, I got kind of duped into this one, so... Um, yeah I, I know a friend of mine recommended it and the way she duped me in was she goes hey sue it has the music by raise a sullian who also wrote the music for Sympho gear and i was like i'm in 100 percent like like you know friggin moth to flame so i went yeah i went into it and first of all it's a lie you're not gonna get the music from Sympho gear let me just toss that out there i mean the the op and the especially the end song I liked a lot, so that that music is fine. But there's no like music based battles or something like that. Like Reze Sulian is is wasted on this show, so just meh. that's fine. Um, so the the plot of Assault Lily is just that there's a bunch of girls who have the ability to fight enemies called yes the huge. Huge. <laughs> with with weapons called charms in all capital letters and these charms are you know these just big mechanized weapons and actually in the first couple of episodes the the way the weapons sort of transform and stuff is pretty cool it had that nanoha like mechanical fshing, like things come out and they're steaming and it, it looked mm. kind of neat this doesn't come up again so just know we spent that budget. I know. We spent that budget on episode, like, one and two. Um, and the huge are just ridiculous. Like, they, they look like big CG squid creatures. It's just, uh, um, So, surprisingly, being animated by Shaft of, you know, the Monogatari fame, Bakemonogatari and all that, all that entire series, this show doesn't look all that great majority of the time. Like, the girls look fine, but then whenever it goes into combat, they go into those CG models that you're used to seeing in, like, idol shows when they yeah. go into, the like, the rotoscope shot where all the girls have to dance on stage um, oh in, in synchronization. So it looks like that kind of animation, if you're familiar with it, and it just really takes away from the experience it's a jarring transition, even in those shows. Right, because there are times when it's like, when they let Shaft have a moment, there's a sequence where, like, one of the girls is walking down this long pathway, and wind blows through her hair, and a bunch of leaves blow, and 
holy moly, it looks beautiful. Like the lighting and that entire shot is gorgeous. And then, you know, then you get these like weird, ugly CG shots. Anyway, um, I went into Assault Lily and after watching, you know, the first episode or two, I was really excited for the show to be a dumpster fire. So I was like, yes, okay, let's, let's take that journey. And unfortunately, Assault Lily just makes the tragic mistake of being mediocre. Um, oh, the no. kiss of death. I know, the kiss, the absolute kiss of death. So episode one establishes the fact that, you know, there's these girls, there's, they can wield these items called charms. Only certain girls can. They have to be born with a power called Maggie that they can feed off of in order to wield the charm. Um, they are all held in this special facility that's funded by the government, known as a garden, because they're lilies. Uh, and wow. I know. And they basically form, like, faux lesbian relationships, kind of, with other other girls. So seniors will take a junior under their wing to mediate them, or mentor them, I'm sorry, and... The senior is known as the Schutzengel, which is German, I believe, for guardian angel. And the one being mentored is known as a Schild, which I guess is child. So Scott had a way better naming scheme for it. Like, he watches it and he's like, okay, so episode one, there's a schnitzel pack that gets formed. (laughs) And so I, following suit, decided that when they finally revealed what the mentor was called, which is Shield, I was like, no, well, it has to be noodle, right? So schnitzel and noodle pact. So (laughs) Much better. So the schnitzel and noodle pact, I just, the audience needs to know. Anyway, there's way too many characters. Um... The plot wants more complexity than it could ever have in its 12-episode run. The enemies are really dumb. You know, they're called the huge. Um, The writing, if I had to describe it succinctly, it just feels like there were all these cool ideas, and I genuinely mean cool ideas as the show went on, that somebody on the writing staff got to explore, like, hey, here's this neat idea, and then they immediately were dropped, just instantaneously. We're talking things like shady government organizations, which experiment on the girls, because they drop at one point that one of the girls is, like, she didn't have enough Maggie to be, like, a full Lily, so she was experimented on by the shady government organization, which boosted her Maggie abilities, and... You know, that was kind of intriguing. Nope, never mentioned again. Um, There's a mentor character that they drop that functions similar to Daphne du Maurier's Rebecca. Like, she's dead, but she has this powerful impact on the story. Nope, they throw that out. There's that Madoka Magica idea that, you know, since the, the girls and the huge actually feed off of the same source, this Maggie, you know, they might secretly be one and the same or something like that. Nope. That never comes up again. Um, Kind of like obsolete. There's, they actually drop an idea of a societal imbalance because they have this world building in there where a bunch of cities have been evacuated and put into these you know, sort of bunker cities because the huge are, like, destroying entire parts of the Earth, humanity actually banded together. Like, there are no more wars, no more conflict. Everybody is on board with just pumping government funds into these gardens to support the lilies fighting the huge. However, there's also factions of people who are like, how come these girls with magic powers, like, get to do all the stuff and get funded for life and... 
that's a complete power imbalance. What are we going to do when all the huge are defeated and there's just these overpowered girls running around? Who gets to decide who gets Maggie? Like, there's this interesting societal conflict they throw out there and a couple throwaway lines, like, never comes up again. <laughs> like, oh, man, it it's bad. Squandered potential. Completely squandered, yeah. So I don't know what the show was attempting to accomplish, but... It definitely felt like a fly, you know, fly by the seat of your pants, terrible plotting, and it's a complete mediocre show. So Boo. don't watch this show. It's not not even worth it. It's not fun. It's not, it doesn't have good characters. It's just a mess. Not even bad enough to be an entertaining train wreck. No, not even bad enough to be an entertaining train wreck. It doesn't even put nearly the amount of effort Symphogear does, so can it? No. Oh. A shame. I know. So tragic. Who's got something else? Yeah, so I'll pick it up from there. So I saw a show, uh, Kamitachi ni Hirowarita Otoko. I don't know if it has a good translation, but uh, basically the rough idea is this is one of those isekai shows. Uh, it's a kid who is good at taming slimes, so he has lots and lots of slimes, and they do different stuff, like be made of acid or clean stuff or heal or whatever. Uh, so what separates it from all the others, uh, is an isekai that's also Iyashike, which I don't know that I've seen before. Like, there are some very brief moments of action, but the show is about the very minor day-to-day -day life of the protagonist. Like, the top ambition this guy has that he fulfills throughout the course of the show is to open and operate a laundry shop. Like, by using his slimes to clean laundry and use a metal slime to roll them flat and stuff like that. And so it, like, deals with his day-to-day -day, uh, business running type stuff. Uh, there's also a very light, I guess I'm not even going to call it, like, romance, because these characters are, like, 11. It's, like, affection, I guess, more than anything else between him and, like, I don't know, the, the daughter of a noble family that goes on. Uh, but it's, I don't know, it's enjoyable in the sense that, like, it's gentle, like, nothing really happens. It's got a fun and energetic ending theme that I actually like quite a bit. And also... The slimes are really cute. They just kind of like bounce around and they're always like there in the background moving. He's got a lot of them. Uh, as the, as he like sort of gets them more advanced, they can like sort of slime extend little arms and like hand people stuff. And like, you haven't seen cute until a tiny slime tries to hand you a cup of tea. Oh, what a tiny little arm. It's tiny little arms are like, you know, they're they're fighting some monster or whatever, and like the slimes are like carrying individual arrows over to archers to like hand them one arrow. Oh my gosh. Like, you're helping. That's, that's uh, adorable. Yeah. In terms of cons, like there's super low stakes, but the protagonist has the usual impossibly great abilities and innate command of every magic or task he tries. That's part of all the isekais that exist and Boy, hearing everyone praise him for everything he does can get exhausting in a hurry. So Lord. watch out for that. Like, I know it's part of every isekai, but it's in this one, too, even though it does not need to be. That's definitely uh, a shame. Yeah, what I recommend it, I'm going to call it like weak recommendation. Like, if you like isekais or fantasy shows and you just want a no-stakes show that just is kind of pleasant and calming, go for it. You can do but worse. Don't expect anything amazing. You, you can do worse. It, it's fine. It's it's a fine show. That's that's pretty much it for that one. Yeah. Uh, now, on the other end, by the way, of fantasy territory, the best show, Sleepy Princess in the Demon Castle. Oh, man, this show. <laughs> it was, you know, I don't actually like 
comedies and scott you turned me on to this one um and you were like you really really should try and i was like oh, okay because uh, <laughs> most most comedies don't resonate with me they're all like situational it's same with like american comedies i struggle it's all situational uh like dense guy doesn't notice girl likes him or some you know stupidity like that right and we had a blast like my husband and i watched this one and and the way Alex described it, he's like, this feels a lot like Hogan's Heroes. So for anyone who watched that show, <laughs> really? I, didn't, I actually have never seen it. But yeah, he was like, this feels like that. Um, but anywho, yeah, Scott, I don't want to steal your thunder, but I, I did have a lot of fun. You had a great, like, it was a great recommendation. I laughed a lot, like genuinely laughed. Um, you know, the it was a good time. I think all the characters were cute. It was creative. I think the only difference maybe between you and I is I think Princess Sayalis is genuinely a horrible person. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anyone's going to dispute that. Like, I enjoy watching her, but I'm not going to defend her. Yeah, she's uh, she's definitely terrible. But man, I I had a lot of fun. Yeah, so for those who don't know, the, the rough idea is um, this princess gets captured by the demons. The demons and humans are kind of at war. Uh, the hero is going to try to rescue her. But in the meantime, you know, they're treating her well because she's an important hostage. And she just kind of like wanders around trying to find better bedding materials because she's like insomniac. So she's like, all I want is a good night's sleep. I will do literally anything <laughs> to get a good night's sleep. So like, you know, find some kind of, I don't know, like a, like a ghost shroud, they call it. It's like this enchanted cloth that can cast magic. Just straight up murders it, takes the cloth, makes a pillow out of it. And is like, yes. Uh, like the, the demons do have a, a demon cleric who revives anyone that gets killed. So it's not like any of it's permanent, but like, she didn't know that she doesn't care. <laughs> she doesn't even care about herself. Like numerous times, just for the sake of betting, she'll die, like genuinely fall into lava and die. And the cleric's <laughs> like, he may please, please. You need to value your own life more. And she's like, whatever betting achieved. <laughs> she's just, uh, she's just using a respawn exploit. Basically, yeah. Like she, she doesn't even know about it originally. She just like she's like, I don't know. She's she's so focused on her objective that like she'll ignore mortal danger. Uh, but it's very funny. Like great sense of humor. The characters are fun. It's it's very cute. Uh, it has a really does a really good job of playing with like RPG tropes. Like it feels like oh she gets a quest today to go make a better pillow or whatever. But it doesn't like get old. Like a lot of we're gonna put RPG tropes on top of a thing tend to get like i think it did a good job of that i don't really have too many cons like i just want them to make more of the show i agree and actually the the only other con i have and it it's almost a con because it's a pro believe it or not is i i didn't like the ending alex and i were so invested in her <laughs> bridging the gap between the humans and oh, the demons yeah. we were convinced the plot was going to go a different way and then it didn't it just broke back into shenanigans and she broke all that goodwill we were we were forging with her but i and i didn't i didn't like that but if you think about it in a different way i was so intrigued by where this was going and what was going to happen that i felt a little let down so yeah i would watch more of it absolutely yeah i, mean, I definitely feel like they, they should make more like they did you know there are I guess we'll call them plot developments. Like it isn't always static. She's like, things are happening a little bit here and there that advance the plot. And so maybe they'll build to something in some future season, which I would absolutely watch. Plus forget those slimes. Teddy demon. Teddy demon. Oh my God. Teddy demon. demons are 
the cutest and things eggplant this seals. season, period. <laughs> the little eggplant oh, seals yeah. that she hugs. They're so cute. They're so cute. Oh my god. At one point they try and find her and this she gets double kidnapped, I guess, by someone else and they run into the castle and they're like, we have to find her. Okay, you bring bedding, you bring teddy demons, and you bring eggplant seals and I'll bring candy. And they just run through the <laughs> castle going, princess, I have demons, like cute demons, candy, and a blanket. Where are you? <laughs> like they're trying to draw her out with these items and I was, oh, so funny. You know, like know it's, it's no surprise, I guess, to say that the demons eventually sort of come to, uh, I don't know, like, care for her, like, take care of her. Yeah, they feel very protective of her, and, and her nonsense eventually just becomes standard fare. Like, when she's too quiet, they're like, where is she? What is she doing? Yeah, or, like, they'll be having, you know, the big demon strategy meeting, because, like, the, the hero is on his way or whatever, and she'll just, like, wander into, like, the, the major planning chamber, and they're like, Hime, we're, we're in the middle of something, and she's like, I had a bad dream. <laughs> and they're like, this is not the time, and she's like, listen to my dream, just, like, bulldozes <laughs> forward. If and, of course, must. gets her way. Yeah, like, everyone listens to the dream, you know, no, no one's... No one throws her out. Is it as painful to listen to as someone in real life describing their dream? It actually is quite funny. Huh. Oh, no, it was very funny. Like, they did a great job. Dan, I think you'd like this one. I'd, I recommend I it. i give and it just, a shot. Just definitely go in and be like, Princess Yalice is a terrible person. Princess Yalice is a terrible person. Just let it roll. <laughs> just accept that. Accept, yeah, accept this and you'll you'll giggle. Sounds good. Yeah, I've been, uh, been looking for something a little more lighthearted. It's been a few months. Yeah. This is this is the one. Yep, definitely recommended. What else have we got on the uh docket here? Scott, how much stuff did you watch, dang it? It's it was a busy season, I'll admit. Jeez. Uh, so I've got this one, Kamisaba ni Nata Hi, uh, which is a key visual arts uh project. Uh as you might expect, it's extremely pretty. Uh some of the best animation this season, hands down. And each episode in isolation is quite good. Uh, like, they do a very good job of writing individual episodes. There's an episode where, like, they play Mahjong, and it's very funny if you know the game. And it's still pretty good even if you don't. Uh, whereas in a different episode, it was, like, honestly really powerfully emotional. Like, really tugged at your heartstrings. And, like, it was an interesting, like, you know, this is also the season we watched uh, Elena, the, the Wandering Witch. And... We were comparing, like, you know, in one episode, they basically introduced this concept in Kami-sama and got us to really care about these characters and feel, you know, just awful when bad things happen. And then you look back in Elena and it's like, okay, no, you can really see the difference in what having a good writer makes. So, Scott, really quick, um, I didn't read anything about the plot, but just to throw it out there, that show was directed by Jun Maeda, who's the Angel Beats guy. And oh, Charlotte, so you know, that's that probably why there's that huge emotional resonance in in those episodes because he's quite skilled at that. Like Little Busters, I think he wrote too. Okay, that would that would make sense. Like he does a good job. Uh, now, cons, and you may have seen this coming the way I worded this. There isn't really a coherent overall story. Like there is a plot, but it doesn't matter at all for like eighty, ninety percent of the show, and then suddenly it just roars in for the last couple of episodes. And honestly, it felt unwelcome, and it falls apart if you think about it for even a little while. Uh, so, 
like it's, it's sort of like you watch the whole show and you're like, where are you going with this? Because it has this thing like the world is good. This little girl shows up and she's like, I'm staying with you. The world's going to end in 30 days. And you're like, all right, pretty clear plot layout. And then every episode at the end of it, they'll be like, there are X days left until the end of the world. And you're like, all right, we're counting down pretty quick here. But like each episode will be like, let's go revitalize a ramen shop. Let's go play Mahjong. Let's go film a movie. And you're like, where are you, where are you, where are you going with this? And then when you finally figure out where they're going with it, it's like, huh? I mean, I guess. So it's a weird show. Uh, for that reason. I don't even know if I would recommend it. Like, maybe if you just want an episodic show. Just watch the Mahjong episode, clearly. Definitely, like, the Mahjong episode can be watched complete in complete isolation, c considering each episode is so, like, isolated from the others. Definitely recommend watching that. Uh, and if you like what you see, like the rest of the episodes are similar, if not as funny. Uh, and if you start caring enough, you can watch the ending where there's like the plot kind of shows up, but it's weird. Yeah. It's kind of a neutral recommendation. I don't really know if I would like hardly recommend it to anyone. Sounds weird. Yeah. It's, it's, was an odd bird. Are you done now, Scott? Of course not. Oh. It's time. <laughs> For, for for those who who were reading my review of uh, you know Elena's like episode whatever it was eleven you may see this coming but there was another show this season everyone hypnosis Mike division rap battle rhyme anima you just you made, made that, that up, up. <laughs> what a title some say three titles uh I was not originally like planning to watch this but like just watching the opening theme song was like, all right, I kind of got to like see at least an episode of this because it's bananas. And uh, yeah, it was good. It was great. Like great animation. This opening theme, you got to see to be seen to be believed. I'm just going to throw it out there. I did watch it when you told us that after ep one. And then I just wrote to the chat. I was like, thank you, Scott. That was a gift from God. <laughs> so <laughs> everyone go out and try this opener. Yeah, just go watch the opening to, to Hypnosis Mike. Uh, the rough idea is, like, in, in Japan, there's been a coup. The people who seized power somehow have these microphones that convert, essentially, like, rap music, like rap flow, if you're really good at it, into attacks. And all weapons are abolished, and all fighting is done using microphones and rap. Like, you got that's, that's your point of buy-in. <laughs> and uh, the government has organized a a rap battle tournament and four different teams of like who you're following through the plot, each team having three people on it. And so every episode is basically like there's some kind of crime happening in one of the four areas of the city because each rap team represents an area of Tokyo. Uh, they investigate it. Then they rap at the enemy and like beat them up. And the rap sequences are incredible. Just like lots of imagery, stylized words appearing on screen to visually show the flow of the singing uh, are like they're they're unique while also being themed to each of the teams, so that's fun. And then eventually, like there is a plot build up to the finale, and there's good build up to that. Like it takes a while to get there, but it's it's definitely worth it once you get there. Uh, overall, great popcorn show. Never ever engage your brain. Just just put that in neutral. Do not think. <laughs> just watch all the explosions and listen to the music. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, there's there's a guy in it whose shtick is having T Rex DNA, and he keeps making a big deal out of that, and they're just 
I don't know where he came from, but I'm glad he's in this show. Does he have really tiny arms, big head, giant teeth? Or is... He's just massive and has big teeth, and he's like, I've got T-Rex DNA. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sir. I am impressed you're able to loot that in so smoothly every time. Right? And uh, and honestly, like, it's going to make you want to pick a favorite team and root for them. Like, if people watch this show, we rooted for Mad Trigger Crew. Which They're one are the they? Best. Uh, gang Police Navy. Like they've got a, <laughs> would be their theme. They've got a guy who's like the member of a Yakuza, a guy who's a police officer, and a guy who's former military back when they used to have guns. So is everything like Pirate Ninja Viking rules where there's one, uh, where each person on the team is like a specific trope character? Not exactly, they're not exactly tropes, they're more like occupations. So like uh. there's one, like, so that's one team. One team is like office workers named Matenro, and they're like Dr uh like club host and god what was the third guy like like office worker gotcha. like overworked office guy uh then there's like poet uh what's the second guy like literature like uh, author and fashion designer so like each guy will have like a occupation i guess and that sort of flavors their rap and like the imagery used with them got it so I can't really point to any cons. Just don't expect a deep plot. <laughs> like every episode, the boys are going to get up there and they're going to rap at something. It's going to be great. I definitely recommend it. That's awesome. Yeah. Like also quite a bit of English in, in the, in the raps, which is hilarious. Cause it's the usual, like they don't really get English, but they're going to use it really hard. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's always the best kind of English. Good times. Good times. Uh, man i hope that's yeah, scott you're not allowed to watch anymore like we're ending it right now i'm done with you all right all right i i agree no more no more animes all right we're done that's good man well uh those are our shows those are our recommendations scott good job bringing like 90 percent of that to the table i brought a salt lily and then promptly threw it off the table so it's <laughs> fine it's all right it was huge yes okay. oh got him okay all right. All right. We're done. We're done now. But thanks for following along with us and see you next core. See you then. This is a podcast by the con artists. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your Android podcast app of choice. For more anime and game related content, please visit us online at theconartistsblog.com. Thanks for listening.